What's going on guys? My name is Shaq Monty. I'm sitting here next to Owen McCabe. Welcome back to Schmack Talk Podcast. I just want to give you guys a note. Last week, our first podcast, our initial episode, or pilot, whatever you like to call it, it hit 180 views on uh, SoundCloud, which is really awesome. I'd like to thank everybody that tuned in. It really means a lot that all of you are just listening to two guys that are just talking about their opinions on the world, news, politics, everything like that. Uh, a lot of people are coming out to me. They're giving their criticisms. They're giving me uh, their praise about the podcast. They're giving suggestions, which is awesome. Keep doing that, please. But with that being said, we're going to get into our next podcast. So the topics for this podcast are going to be roughly based on, we're going to talk about the scams that the government has uh, put in place throughout the years. We also want to talk about paperback currency and the deep web utilization we hope to get into towards the end. And I, I think that this is a pretty good idea for our second podcast based on what uh, we want this to run off for the rest of the uh the rest of the season, I guess, or the rest of the album, whatever it is. Yeah. All right, but the first thing that we are going to talk about is just school and writing papers. Now, you might be asking, uh, why, why should we be talking about this? This doesn't really have to do with politics news. It kind of does. So I was writing a research paper. I was actually writing two research papers this week, and I was writing something about the Great Depression and uh, how that was a time that our, the United States kind of made a shift from being generally conservative to being more liberal. And I found that it was a lot easier to write from a liberal point of view about how the government is good and how the government is uh, better is better than be, better being powerful than being uh, open. Based on the Common Core education and what we're taught as children in the earlier stages of our lives with preschool, kindergarten, first grade, uh, I feel like it's most of the teachers are typically female. They're, they're typically a liberal-based uh, or liberal-leaning, and you, you're kind of taught that And because when you're teaching, it's, you're not teaching, it's not a robot, it's not a math equation where it's an algorithm going into it, giving you the facts. It's, it's opinionated, and whether uh, teachers mean to or not, it naturally comes out. We're human, it's what happens, that's our brain chemistry. We're taught to share, we're taught to be nice to others, be kind, and help others who are going through a struggle. And I think that's a big thing with the liberal uh, party is sharing and helping out others. So they want the government to help them out through programs, to through different, uh, uh, I don't want to say tax cuts, but through different tax-funded uh, organizations. No, I, I completely agree yeah. with what he was saying. It's just the fact that, honestly, I don't think... And going, I'm obviously, I didn't start thinking about politics until roughly fifth, sixth grade. And looking back on it, I don't think I had a single teacher that was generally conservative. They were mostly liberal. And so everything that I was brought up with, even even if a teacher didn't uh, outright just say, uh, I am a liberal and what I'm going to say is probably liberal based. It was always, there was always in the back of their mind, their opinions were going into what they're uh, teaching. And in history, you always have survey classes. So you're learning about a broad spectrum of history, uh, usually American history. That's what we're uh, usually taught. And when teachers are talking about American history, they give it from their point of view and what helps them the most. So usually you're getting a liberal point of view. And that's why when I was writing this paper, everything that I was thinking about that I was taught in class was generally liberal. And that's why, I mean, obviously I'm a well-read individual, so is Owen. When we're writing papers, we can look at things and find other ways to go about it, things that kind of resonate with ourselves. But the stuff that I was taught and the stuff that is in my mind was generally liberal. So when I was talking about the Great Depression, I was actually thinking like when I was writing it, it was easier to write liberally. 
And usually I'm not a liberal writer at all, but with the research that I did and the stuff that I've learned, just it made it a lot more simple to talk about how the government being strong during the Great Depression helped. And honestly, I don't I don't agree with that. I don't think the government did help. I think the government used the uh, used the the economic strife of the time to kind of weed their way into things, and they got to a point that the power just there were they were at a powerful point that they just couldn't go down from there. And but during the paper, I didn't write that at all. I just wrote about, you know, the government was good. They made these programs, they gave people jobs, and that was a good thing. But it was just strange, because I never really thought about the fact that my teachers had taught me a certain way. Yeah. And and I want to interject here. How many teachers have you had in your primary education that were male or in your education? Actually, I, I was thinking that honestly, the first male teacher I think I ever had was Mr. Babiak. And that was seventh grade. And it was a math teacher. I want to say my first was also, I think it was freshman year. I was Mr. It was my science teacher and our, our history teacher, even through, I guess I, from sixth or from seventh through uh, ninth grade, I had done uh, online school. And even in the online school where it's a lot easier for male teachers to get involved, I didn't have any teachers. And so especially through the early and elementary school years, it was all female um, teachers. And I lived uh, in 20 minutes south of Philadelphia. And so you had really a, a yeah. very liberal area oh, for sure. of, of, I don't want to say it was, it was upper middle class. And it was mm-hmm. just these Caucasian women who were uh, constantly surrounded growing up in Philly with these liberal uh, ideas. And so I think you're, as a human, you're learning based off of other people. So you can teach a kid anything that you want it to uh, learn, yeah. and it's going to believe that for the rest of its life, its life especially yeah. during the building blocks. Well, I also think that uh, with the, if you think about women teachers, I, this is obviously a generalization, but the majority of them teach the liberal arts classes like the Englishes and the social studies and the social sciences. Uh, it's usually the male teachers. And again, this is a generalization. I, I'm not being sexist, bigoted, or any of that. Usually the men teach more of the science-based math classes. So with that being said, math and science, it, they're obvi- honestly, there's liberal or conservative bias in anything you learn. But the liberal arts, like Englishes and stuff like that, there's there's more of a there's m- way more of a uh, a liberalish perspective. So the stuff that you're being taught by these certain teachers is it their their views are getting put into it a lot more than they could be in other general uh, and their other general studies. And I feel like the reason for that is that in the liberal arts uh, education systems you have more room for an opinion. English, especially, it's all opinion-based, what you're getting out of the novel, what you're reading yeah. about, what you're writing about, uh, and the arguments you're building, while science and math are, math is, it, it's it's facts. Two yeah, plus two will always facts. equal four. It, it's it's straight up facts. While science, there's a little bit more leeway because there's different theories. We haven't really uh, found definitive answers for everything, but on the building blocks and the standpoints of it, it's mostly been thought through and proven time and time again. So mm-hmm. those are facts. And I feel like, so there's not as much leeway to be able to teach uh, or kind of put your own beliefs into the teachings. Yeah. And well, I think the, the main, the main thing that you should be getting out of this is that it's, it's great that we have teachers that have strong beliefs, even if they don't know that they do, but it's even more important now that you need to go out and do your own research. That's how you become more of a free-minded, open individual. Like Owen and I, like we said, we had mostly liberal teachers, but through our own research, we found our own ideas. And another thing is that I think uh, what uh, one of my teachers says, you get two things from your parents. You get your eye color and you get your beliefs. 
And if your parents believe something, nine times out of 10, you're going to have the same beliefs as them. But you need to, you need to start reading on your own and developing your own beliefs. That's how you become uh, that's how you become a well-rounded person. And that was one of the things they got recently. We took the SATs and, mm-hmm. uh, there was one passage. I don't know if you read it, but they were talking about this. It was Frederick, Frederick something. He was based out of Colorado. No, it was, oh, okay. it was just a, a yeah. professor who was doing a study and he was talking about how, uh, he took different groups of people from the street and asked them and had did study sessions with them and asked them to define and explain different political um, agendas, not not agendas, uh, different political processes and different the tax cuts, the the different big political issues, the oil in uh, the Middle East, all of these big things that people have hard opinions on and are extremely uh, passionate about their opinion on. He had them research and explain these things, and he had to write uh, intricate definitions of each of these things. And it showed that the more research that these people did, the less radical their ideals became because they saw the different types of situations that it was. And everything is really, it's a base by base situation. Not everything is cut and dry and black and white. There are gray areas. And instead of politicians campaigning, saying, oh, I want this, this, and this, they should have, they should be explaining what they're going to be doing, what the type of uh, situation they have on their hands and that would really help people understand why they're making that decision or why they're putting those policies in place. Because not the general American public may not be smart enough to understand all of what's happening, but if you can explain it enough so they have a general idea instead of just what they're seeing on the news and little blurbs, then you're not going to have as radical of opinions and you're going to be able to listen to other people's side of their story and what they believe in without shutting down, without becoming aggressive in promoting your own opinion. Yeah, I agree with that too. But the only thing that I I might be uh, deviating from that or uh, have a different of a difference of opinion with that is that the more people do research on their own side, is the they they can start to get a little bit more radical on their side. That's it. So with a teacher that is uh, liberal or whatever they are, if they start researching something, say um, they're doing research on again just go back to the Great Depression because that's what I was talking about before. If they do more research on it and they are liberal, they might just go and look for specifically the liberal point of view from that. And they might look into the, the, the conservative point of view just so that they can use that as a counterpoint. And then after that, just mold over it and say why the conservative point of view would be incorrect. So they might just be, they might just do that research like you said, but they might do it just to further prove their own point. Well, that's what this guy, he, he knew that was going to be a thing, and he actually talked about that. He's, you're watching these people doing research. They're going to find their own uh, views. They're going to find their own opinions and people like that because that's what they're going to enjoy reading. That's what's going to keep their attention, stuff like that. But what he was having these people explain and research was what these policies are going to change, who they're going to affect, why certain people either agree or disagree. It, it's not opinionated thing they're not going on to uh, msnbc.com or uh, yeah. cnn they're going through they're looking for the definition of that policy and it's not what someone explains through it they need to intricately unbiasedly explain it themselves to be able to fully understand it and fully create an opinion on it 
And that's what I think really a lot more people should do. Because if we all did that, I know it's not going to happen. It's not going to be a perfect world yeah, where every never. single person goes through and understands completely each of the policies. Otherwise, we America wouldn't have any of these problems that we do. But if we started moving in that direction... We could we would have so much less controversy over uh, major. Yeah, I agree with that. But you said people need to start looking into like unbiased sources. But I don't think that's well, that's not, not that's not available. There's not, no not such even, thing yeah, as not, like somebody sees a fire. There's yeah. two people that see a fire. There's going to be two different perspectives, and then it's considered their bias. Yeah. So there's no such thing as unbiased. But what? There you're looking. When I say sources, I don't mean like news outlets and stuff like that. When I say sources, I mean you're gonna look up the definition of that of each to say for example social security you just to throw something out there that everyone knows the basis of but not many people know actually what social security is how it's going to benefit each individual person how it was going to increase the taxes for everyone else and yeah during that time they didn't have the resources we have but if you went to Google and looked up, typed even typed in the definition of Social Security or what they wanted to do with it and read through the plan that they were going to enact and be able to come up with a definition for yourself, then it wouldn't have been as biased. It wouldn't have been as radical because people would have realized that it, it was, then it wasn't a Ponzi scheme. Then during that time and uh, all these government programs really did help get America back on its feet out of the depression and uh, recently out of the recession and stuff like that. But it, there's a certain point where you don't need it anymore. If you if the economy is doing bad and for multiple reasons, it, it could have that outcome and it helps to take it out of the ground. It helps you reach the point of where you were, where everyone's in good economic standing. You're not in debt. You're not in all of these really low uh, places through the political system and through the economy, you're, for example, like communism. Communism for certain countries in Russia and China, when they were doing really bad, was a great idea. It helped get everyone back on their feet. It helped everyone get paid, get fed. That helped up their economy. But after a certain point, people are like, "I, it's my money. Why am I doing it? Why am well, I doing it? Also- why are you giving me stuff? So that's why communism in Russia really ended because people had gotten out of that rough spot and they were like, all right, we're smooth sailing now. Please let go of the reins. We don't need your help anymore. Well, communism in Russia, it, the real reason it ended was because of, uh, what's it, Glasnov or whatever it was. It was when they, when people started realizing that other countries were well more advanced than they were. So as Russia started, as Russia, Russia changed and they, um, they said, you know what, we're going to become a little bit more lenient. And they, they gave people outlets. They let people see things that were happening in other countries. They let uh, McDonald's was another thing. They, they had their first McDonald's in Russia, and people thought it was a big deal. But as that happened, people understood that other places in the world were like this all the time, and they were even more free. So the people in Russia were like, okay, if we can have that little stuff, why can't we have more? And that's really why communism in Russia ended, because people wanted... As soon as they were given a little bit more freedom they were already had, they wanted more and more, and that's why the government ended up changing. Exactly. That, that's kind of what I was saying. I don't know if I explained it very well, but that's what the point I was trying to get at was at that uh, time when it was really bad, they wanted that help from the government to get them to yeah. that place. But once they realized that there are countries that are better off than them without the communism, and they realized that they really didn't need the government's help in their everyday life anymore, they wanted that freedom. They wanted that advancement because you're really not going to get as advanced in 
as a country and, and through technology and stuff like that if there's not competition yeah. because if the oh, government is oh, going through true. exactly and if the government is going through and moderating everything then they only have what's available to them there's only a couple organizations that are studying through cars through uh, tech or phones or TV, televisions or computers and you don't have the competent competition to be better than the next guy and to sell your product more and uh, and i think that's another reason why uh, recently i'm sure everyone's heard that uh, for the first time in uh, since the Korean War, North and South Korea are holding peace accords, and they're getting mm-hmm. involved with America. And uh, while America may not be a key player in that, personally, from what I've read and what I've uh, researched, most people don't like the way America's gone about it, but it worked. It's not mm-hmm. as long as it didn't negatively negatively affect us. Yeah. For the for the first time ever. The president of the United States and the uh, monarchy or uh, oligarchy, the oligarchy of North Korea are meeting together in a neutral or ground. Just dictatorship or, or dictatorship. Yeah, but I didn't want to say dictatorship. But yeah, um, yeah we, honestly, we haven't been over there. We don't really don't know exactly. Exactly. What and so for the first time ever, that's happening. And no one's really reporting on that. People are reporting now. I've been seeing that Kim Kardashian visited the White House to it. What was it? It was some she wanted to ask Trump if he could let off a, her great grandmother for dealing drugs or something like that. And she wanted mm-hmm. to lobby for that. And that's perfectly OK. Lobbyists. We need lobbyists to an extent. In, I mean, uh, I, I, I don't. I don't agree with that. Okay, I, you don't agree with a lot of things, but let me get my point across. All right, I'll let you. Um, so, I personally, I believe lobbyists are going to get things done, whether it's a positive or a negative. That's just going to happen. But lobbyists aren't needed, but it's going to happen. And so, the fact that she did that is it's good for her. Awesome. But that gives the news outlets something else to focus on besides the good thing that Trump is doing. And I don't agree with everything Trump does. I didn't. I don't know if I would have voted. For, I actually no, I would not have voted for him as president if Who'd I could have voted. I would have voted for Gary Johnson personally. I don't really? believe in Gary Johnson, but that was a step for the Libertarians. Step forward, get us recognized. Even yeah. though it was a throwaway vote, it was, still would have brought up the numbers, even if it was just me. And so I, I think that because of this whole Kim Kardashian thing, because of this whole, especially Trump's Twitter, that's the main thing that the liberal news media is focusing on because that's going to turn everyone's heads away from the good things Trump is doing uh, away from the bad. And I think I actually had a conversation with uh, my dad this morning. And I personally, like, like you said before, you get two things from your parents, your eye color and your political beliefs. And um, my dad, while he's a little more radical than I am, he brought across a very good point. As a president, Trump is doing extremely well compared to oh, yeah. past presidents. He's doing uh, amazingly. But as a person, He's an asshole. He, he's, he's childish. The way he goes about doing things isn't what a president should be doing. I mean, who, who's to say that's what a president should be doing? Th- I think he's, that's very true. He's a lot like Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson was the same way. And, I mean, if he wanted something done, he was going to do everything that he needed to do that. You're right. And, honestly, he's kind of reinventing the role of being a president. You're right. Just and, like, uh, what's his name, Pope uh, Francis. He's completely different than any other pope we've ever had. But in that, he's getting a lot more people involved. He's getting a lot more people involved in uh, being religious. Uh, he's kind of making it a little bit more liberal, and people like that. And it's I think Trump's doing a great job. And honestly, as a person, I think he's a good guy too. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that he's a bad guy, but I'm saying that there are things that he kind of brings himself down in a way where, yeah, there, that's what 
but, people I, want him to be a certain way, and he's well, not conforming to but that. But you, even you saying that Trump is bringing himself down, what did what did you just say? Because Trump doesn't bring himself down because he is what he is. Other people, I'm saying, in the eyes of the other, okay. the eyes of the public. Because I think, I mean, the eyes of the public doesn't matter to him. That's that's strong. Yeah, and that's that's an, another great point that he's getting what he's. Most of the things that he said he wanted to get done, he's going in and doing because he doesn't have to um, lobby. He doesn't have to please the general public because yeah. he's not uh, funding for a second campaign. If he's going to run again, he doesn't need to campaign to these political uh, organizations to fund his campaign. Yeah. He can do it himself. So he, even if he is going to run for a second term, which personally I don't think he should, which is uh, another reason why I believe well, in who, term limits because who, you shouldn't running again for office is what brings politicians down i think because they're going to appeal to the public and their backing so they're instead of doing what needs to get done well who who do you think would be better than trump as president now who do you think could get what they told people that they were going to get done done i i, I don't think anybody has a personality like him you're right and i'm not he has, he's I'm, a winner yeah you're right i'm not saying that he he wasn't i'm not saying that trump is not a good president and isn't doing or there is anyone better no i understand but, but that, who, you said you don't th- personally think that he should run for another term who should run that i don't know i don't know who the other candidates would run but you knowing people that you know knowing politicians knowing Rand paul Rand. okay okay i would agree with Rand paul he would never win but he would not win but it's the same thing with gary johnson he there was no way gary was winning yeah there was no way there's no way Rand paul's gonna win but that's another step towards where we want to be that's another step in the direction to uh publicize and get the libertarian name out there and get more people aware of what's happening. Yeah, but I also think a libertarian in a, a power position such as president wouldn't work. Why not? Just because libertarians aren't supposed to be fans of big government and now he's in the control of big government. And the big the big the big reason that Trump can get so many things done is because the Republicans have the majority in the House. And libertarian he wants if he's at the position of power anything that he wants to get done if it's radical and a real libertarian belief will get shot down by any any house democrat or republican if he's smart enough which i believe Rand paul is or even if it was ben carson who i I believe is smart enough to realize that i mean ben carson wasn't libertarian i i I understand i understand that but i'm saying smart guy but but he wasn't the same way if if someone with the intelligence of Ben Carson came okay. into office, they would realize they're not going to be able to get radical things done, but they can take small steps in the right direction. Sure, they might get appealed next uh, the, through the next presidency, but at least you're taking that step. And if one of the uh, acts that he puts in goes through. goes through and stays through those presidencies, that that's a good thing. That keeps the uh, political system where we want it to be. I mean, I, I guess I know what you're talking about. Um, I just think... At this point, the only person that will actually win that has good ideas and is willing to do whatever they possibly can to get their ideas through is Trump. And that's why he should run for another another term and he will win. I I think so. But I mean, I I don't know if he will win. I think it's going to be a close one again. I don't think so. Really? I just think, I mean, I think there's numerous people out there that understand he's a smart guy and he's just, he's such a leader. Yeah. Think about if Hillary was in the position he was in right now, do you think she'd be succeeding as much as he is? In what she wants to do? What do you mean by succeeding? I just mean, think about how many things he's done so far. 
I mean, he's met with people. I mean, he may, he's pissed a lot of people off, but he's met with so many people. He's gotten so many things done. Right, and that's what I'm he, saying. Politically, he's a, he's an, a, a great president. He ended the Korean War. Exactly. He's he's doing a lot of things as a president. Extremely correct. He's he's doing everything. He's getting stuff done. He's doing what needs to uh, be done. But there's the side of him that people don't like, and that's what I think. He's not succeeding as a uh, personality, which I personally I don't think a president should be. It shouldn't matter what the president, um, their personality is like, if they want to, whatever they say and stuff like that. As long as their intentions of what they're doing in the presidency and the acts that they're putting into place is good and it's not affecting the majority of people in a negative way, then I think that's he is succeeding in that sense. But succeeding in a uh, way that people are viewing him now in a, a, a social standpoint, he's he's not doing very well. And I think that he's making it worse, which is why I don't think he would win. Or if it would be, he may win, but it's going to be close because he doesn't have that public opinion I mean, I guess, but I think just the fact that if he could lose in a social, like, because people don't like him as a person, that that shows something about our country. Yeah. Then that's weak from our country, just to not like someone because they don't like his personality. I mean, come on, you you need to vote for whoever is the best candidate, and he is the best candidate. I don't care if you don't like him, you do like him, you should understand what he wants to do is going to get done, and what he wants to do is he, he loves America. And he's going to do anything to get America to be number one. Right. And, and honestly, like I can relate to him. I, I, I say things that most people don't like, but I can understand him to a point because he's going to do what he's going to do and not care what you your opinion is on him. He's not going to care that you don't like him or you don't like a comment he made on Twitter. You don't like uh, what he says. You don't like his opinions on different things. He's still going to do what he gets needs to get done because it doesn't affect him. It, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter to him. He doesn't put your opinion or your voice over his own. And that's what I think another big thing is, especially in America today, is you're putting people put so much value and base their emotions off what other people are saying. Yeah. And that's really what's bringing down. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like in 100 years from now, when they analyze the best presidents of the years, Whoever comes after Trump, don't care if they're the greatest candidate ever or possibly yeah. should be considered one of the greatest presidents. Trump is still going to be considered way better than them. And the next person is going to be considered weak because they don't amount to anything that he's done. You're right. Uh, it, see, I don't. It depends on who's if you're going just on the policies. I think that depending on how America well, turns okay, in the next about, hundred about, years and prosperity. Sure. I just think he is the ideal candidate for yeah. right now, ideal president for right now. And like the and way that we think of who is it that ended the Cold War? Um, who was president at the time? Yes. Or well, took steps to do Reagan. Right. Yeah. So yeah, Reagan. Uh, who ended the World War Two? Who took Truman? Truman. Yeah. So everyone remembers Truman because he was the one who ended the World War. Well, well even though he did it in a wrong way, he he took the steps necessary to. Uh, that he felt necessary to end it. And it worked to a, a, no, but a thing. With that, I don't even mean to cut you off, but with that, if you look at, again, an analysis of the greatest presidents of all time and just surveying it, who was before him? FDR. FDR is constantly ranked top four presidents. You're right. Truman, maybe within the top 15, top 20, but, that's but he's not a number one. Yeah, Donald Trump is an FDR. Completely opposite side, but he is an FDR. 
and he's going to be considered a very powerful president, and he did a lot of things for the country. Doesn't matter who comes after him, he's not going to be considered, or she is not going to be considered as good as Trump. Right, and I think when you added that part about uh, he's completely opposite, I think that it was correct on all fronts, because while FDR did so many good things socially, he put in all those uh, government policies to help Quote the unquote, country. So many good yeah, things. so many, yeah. And, um, but he did a lot to help the American people, and he won over their opinion, while Trump is on the opposite side, where he's yeah, doing yeah, the things right. he needs to do in the presidency and not domestically and socially. So, I mean, that's all we have today for Smack Talk yeah. Podcast. I'm sorry, we, 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 uh, we started off the podcast telling what we were going to talk about. Uh, we got, we did one of them. Yeah, I mean, we kind of deviated into the second one. A little bit, but uh, next yeah. time we're going to have some great topics to talk about. But yeah, I mean, we're just going to, we'll go into it next uh, podcast. We ran long. We're trying to keep it short for you guys. The last one ran a little long. We want to, ideally, we want to keep it between uh, 15, 20, 25 minutes. The last one, I think, went over to about uh, 30 but I want to thank you all again for listening. We're trying to grow and build this and plant that seed. And with all of you listening, with all of you promoting us and coming to us and saying, uh, giving us feedback and saying all these things about us and telling uh, different people, your parents, your your peers, your neighbor about ours and that you sh- we that they should take a listen to our podcast. We're really appreciative of that. Very. And um, super appreciative. With that being said, we thank you very much for listening. I'm Owen McCabe. That's Jack Monty. We'll see you next time on Schmack Talk.